Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. So we don't actually have that much to talk about this week. It was it was pretty slow the past couple of weeks. I don't know, maybe if we were we were all paying attention. So I thought today maybe we would start. I learned really something really cool over the last week. I learned about the history um, of the Hamilton Pier. And if you wanted a little history lesson for like maybe 20 minutes so we can fill some time. Is that okay if we Let's start with that? Let's do it. Let me hear it. Okay, so we have to go all the way back to like 1943 when um, that's all I, that's all I came <laughs> up with in my head. Is that, all, is that all the history in, in the history of Hamilton or what? No, there's a lot more. But as as I continue living there, I will learn more history lessons and then i'll relay them relay them on the pod maybe we have like a hamilton history segment of some sort we should do a live pod at the hamilton bulldogs games what are seats like three dollars there hamilton bulldog they're moving to brantford really so i I only went to one game and that's the only game i'm ever going to go to because i don't think they're going to make the playoffs and they uh it was there were maybe like i don't know two thousand people at that (laughs) game it was not it, it was a fun game, but it was, you know, not pretty, the most lively environment. Pretty sad that that could beat some attendance records in uh, in Tempe, Arizona. You know, I, I feel like if there was an NHL team in Hamilton, just McMaster students would fill out that arena easily. I think it seats like 16,000. Would, they would, that would be full. Arena would be full every night. Anyway, there is actually a lot to talk about. So why don't we get started? My phone was being blown up. All week, I was trying to study for an exam, and every three minutes, Elliot Friedman, Elliot Friedman, Frank mm-hmm. Cervelli, Elliot Friedman, Elliot Friedman. This is probably the biggest, most packed deadline I have ever mm-hmm. seen in sports like history since I've been alive. Granted, it's 25 years, but I don't think I've seen a crazier deadline day in terms of like volume of trades with mixed yeah, with like the like the quality of the players traded on this day too. Mm-hmm. It uh, definitely hasn't been seen in hockey since we've been alive. I can't remember the last time there were this many trades of of magnitude, like you said. Yeah. So we got to somehow get through. We're not we're not going to get through every single trade because no one cares that Dryden Hunt got traded today. Sorry, Dryden, if you're listening. Dryden um, Hunt's catching strays on this yeah. pod. Eh? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry, he's like six five. He would beat me up, but I don't think he's listening. If he is, best of luck in Calgary. Anyway, um, we're just going to try and go over the big trades. We'll go over the contenders that made moves, and we'll just try and work our way through the league starting in the east and then moving over to the west because east is better sorry start with the leafs why not okay so where where do we even start with the leafs we want to go in order of the kind of the deals they made after after they got rid of sorry after they got o'reilly yeah let's do it who's okay. up first the first one is is jake mccabe that's a huge one jake mccabe and sam lafferty and two fifths for joey anderson pavel gogolev a first and a second and that first is top 10 protected in 2025 I mean, I wasn't expecting them to make a move this big, but they went ahead and, and did it anyway. Okay, before we get into it, do you think that Dubis's contract extension kind of biased or influenced like the aggressiveness that he had at this deadline? Because never in the history of the Dubis era have the Leafs been truly, and I mean truly, all in. Last year, oh, I think right. the most they traded was a second for Giordano. The year, be- the year before was a first for Felino. It's like kind of like a quarter of the way in. This year, they went all the way in. Yeah, I, 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 hmm. I have to think it did something because... If it if if it hits the fan, he's like, well, I'm gone anyway. Yeah. And if it works, well, then he bought himself a new contract. 
So I, I think there was a lot of desperation. I wonder even if he had some security, if they would have been willing to go all in. I guess we'll never know. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't. Yeah, he doesn't seem to care. He was making trades. He was getting rid of guys I never thought he would have got rid of. But let's start here before we get to the other ones. Um, I think this is a good trade. Why? Uh, I think Jake McCabe at two million for this and the next two seasons is worth it in and of itself mm -hmm. to give up a first four. Um, he slots. I think he slides right into our top four. He's for sure. Gonna play. I don't know who's gonna play next to him. Maybe Lilligren. Maybe Justin Hall. Maybe Luke Shen. With maybe T.J. Brody. Whoever they end up picking him. Um, let, sorry, letting him play with. But he is. I think is close. I saw Stephen Brown or friend Stephen Brown um, tweet this he said he's as maybe as close to a Muslim replacement as you can get without it being Muslim and he's three-ish million cheaper for the next two seasons which is very valuable I think the big thing here is like you said they gave up a first but essentially you're giving up a first for two more cup runs like it's mm -hmm. so next year at the presumably if we're going to go all in next deadline you don't have to give up a first for another rental type defenseman yeah. like Jake McCabe you got it twice like look one of the biggest thing all of these like traditional boom release fans argue about and you know what I, I buy into it a little bit as well because playoff hockey you need to be gritty and tough among amongst being skilled as well one of the biggest things is the Leafs just weren't mean enough mm -hmm. what did Dubas do he went out and got a six foot two 220 pound bruiser on the yeah. deadline who's yeah. purely a stay-at-home defenseman but is known to destroy people at the at the blue line. Yeah, he 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 can get physical, but he he can also move the puck a yeah. little bit, and you know he's not just a bruiser, which is a little bit of what they needed. They needed both, so I think they did a really good job. I mean, and Sam Lafferty, I don't think was a throw-in either on this deal. Mm -hmm. I think they clearly wanted him as part of the deal too. Um, and if you want to say they gave up a second for him, I don't know how they valued all of these things. Is there was ten pieces in this trade or eight pieces? Sorry, in this trade. I think he's going to be I think he's on the fourth line right now. If he if him Kerfoot and Olacharya are your fourth line, that's a pretty damn good fourth line. For like, sure. It's not only scoring depth, but it's also like an ability to get into the greasy areas. I think Dubis on the that. air today said too, one of the biggest things at this deadline was finding guys and to get into quote unquote hard to hard to play areas. And yeah. they do that. I think well, un rightfully so, a big criticism of the Leafs the past two playoff runs was that their offense somehow dried up when they they couldn't get a goal when they needed one. It wasn't necessarily their defense as maybe these, the sort of like generalization or stereotype about the Leafs has been poor defense. It actually hasn't been the past two, I would say, playoff runs. It's just that they couldn't get a goal when they needed one. So hopefully getting guys like this, you have like a greasy guy almost on every line now, can get to the front of the net, make a play and get, maybe get a goal. Like Nick Paul won Tampa the series last year. I don't yeah. think Nick Paul is known for his goal scoring ability, but... He got a couple of goals because he was willing to go there. So I, I agree. I think a couple of things motivated this trade. First and foremost, I think the lack of physicality on this team was one of them. We already talked about that. I think the mm -hmm. second one was before this trade was made. I, I don't think I'm wrong about this, but if I am, I'm sorry. The Tanner Janot trade was already made and the Orlov Hathaway trades were already made as well. Is that correct? I can't actually remember the I know timeline. They all happened within a very short period of time. I, I know for sure the Hathaway trade was done first. And I wonder if Dubas looks and goes, we're, if we're going to make a deep playoff run, we're going to have to play a big mean Boston Bruins team that got meaner. It's a similar trade. And now you go out and get a guy who can who can be a bruiser at the deadline. I think another big big thing about this trade is that it offers the opportunity to let Hall not play as much just because <laughs> he's such a good penalty killer. Yeah. One of the reasons Hall's in the lineup, apart from being Sheldon Keith's favorite defenseman for yeah. some reason, is because he's a great penalty Like He is a good he, penalty killer. Penalty we'll give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. Jake McCabe ranks within like penalty. 90th percentiles in most penalty killing metrics. Very good. I think he's slotted on our PK1 in his first game there. Mm -hmm. he's, 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 That's extremely valuable too. 
Well, we're going to talk about a little bit about Justin Hall sort of in indirectly because they made a lot of other trades. Should we move on to the next sort of string of trades or do you have something else on, the, on this one? The only thing that worries me about Jake McCabe, once again, I could okay. be wrong. I think I read this on a tweet. I don't know if he's ever played a playoff game. I think you're right. Yeah. The only thing is... Yeah, you're right. The only saving grace to this is that his his style of play is very amenable to playoff yeah. games just because he's the type of guy that even if he's not on the score sheet, which he probably won't be, he can still affect the game. And if, if you're physical, that translates to a physical playoff yeah. series. And I guess the good thing too is that he doesn't have to play on their first pair. So if they want to shelter him the first couple of games, I don't think that they would because he's going to get some games. But if they need to shelter him, I think they have the luxury of doing that for a couple mm-hmm. of games just so he can get his feet wet. But I think he'll be fine, honestly. I love it. Stock, Dubish, trade. Don't give up a first-round pick for a guy not on term. That's what they did. did he got it. two years and retention. Love the deal. Yeah. And then um, there's the, these three trades all happened on the same day. But I think there's two that go really hand-in-hand hand and another one that's separate. So let's start with the one where we get Gustafson and a first mm-hmm. in 2023. So they get a 2023 first back. This is Boston's first-rounder in exchange for Sandine. This one surprised me. Not in the sense that it doesn't make sense logically because we had too many defensemen we needed to get rid of one. It's just this is a Dubis guy drafted. We know Dubis and the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds are linked eternally. And Sandin played there. He got drafted by the Leafs. He's one that came up through the system. Like he's sort of like a, you know, a, a real product of the Leafs development system. And then another parting ways with him. But I think he and you agree. You had a, you know, we were talking over text, and I think you really liked this trade. I think it was my favorite trade that Dubas made all deadline. A bunch of reasons. First and foremost, when we got the McCabe trade back, the first thing I said to you is, "Where's Sandin going to play?" Because we know yeah. it was either Sandin or Lilligren that was going to come out of the lineup, and we both agree Lilligren has taken the next step, mm-hmm. and Sandin hasn't. Not only are we able to trade away a guy that wasn't going to make our team for the next two years, because McCabe's going to be here for two years, and we're in win now mode. But not only do we trade him, we trade him for a first-round pick. And now, granted, it's going to be a late first-round pick. Boston's going to win the President's Trophy, but a first is a first. Mm -hmm. So all in all, as by by the time we get to the end of all these three these Leafs trades, Kyle Dubas does all of this revamping to the lineup, giving up on aggregate one first-round pick, right? I think overall, in terms of first, he gives up one. We lost other draft picks, but in terms of first, we I think yeah, we traded two and got one back. I mean. Firsts are undoubtedly the most important. We, we we bring up that chart every five seconds where it's like yeah. after after the first round, the potential for a guy to be an NHL player falls pretty drastically. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? I I think this is this. I'm a fan of, of Rasmus Sandin's game. I think he's quite good, but like you just said, he struggled when they gave him opportunity in the top four. I'm just he couldn't make the most of that opportunity, but he was very dominant we've seen all the player cards you have one open right now mm. where he the the models that dom from the athletic and jay fresh use because he dominates third pair minutes so much like on, on paper he is it seems like he's one of the best defensemen in the league but i think what we've seen as Leaf fans is that although he has a lot of those tools like he's a very very smooth skater he makes a great pass he's really calm under pressure to it he just couldn't for whatever reason didn't translate to tougher matchups into more ice time so for the Leafs, it was probably a good idea to move off of him. And I think for the Capitals, you get a good defenseman with a lot of tools who is probably going to contribute to your def- to your your lineup. And he's not a direct replacement for Orlov, but he does a job. And, Slots and, into the second power yeah. play, especially with Gustafson's, Gustafson's gun. Yeah. He's going to play. Like you said, you know, all of these stats on face value, he's in the expected value of offense for a defenseman in the 98th percentile. But you got to look at it in context. Like you said, yeah. he logs extensive third line minutes his quality of competitions in the lower 40th percentile zone entry zone exit's good but again he's not facing top line yeah. guys and i'm pretty sure that his offensive metric metrics excuse me 
are buff increased. Oh my gosh, yeah. brain fart by the fact that he's on a great power play too, right? Yeah, I mean that 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 definitely contributes to that too for sure. I think it's beneficial for both sides. He yeah. clearly wasn't going to crack the top four. He wasn't even going to crack the top six. Now he's going to get top four minutes in Washington. Yeah. Maybe he's able to te- take that next step. Who knows? There's going to be a lot of a lot of ice on that team because they're pretty bare bones right now. Yeah, they are. They're going through a little bit of a, a retool, I guess. They they became sellers, which was, I think was a smart idea. Um, but we're not talking about the Capitals right now. I saw a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram either love this deal or like absolutely hate it. I can't find an argument for why this deal doesn't make sense for the Maple Leafs. I really don't. I think from what I have seen from the people who are not fans of this deal is that they love the tools that he has and the, and they love the metrics, which it's hard not to love them because they're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe the fear because we're anxious Leaf fans is that he's going to turn into some rock star defenseman and we would have, and we would have been giving him away. And, you know, that can, there's the potential for that to happen where he becomes a really good established top four defenseman. But for what we need right now, you can see why Dubas was willing to part ways with him. Yeah, I, I think he would have been willing willing to give him up for a second. I'm sure when he got that first, he was like, no way, and you're going to give me Gustafson too? Yeah, and Gustafson's, he's a throw-in, but he's not a throw-in considering that in the playoffs, you you need your eighth and ninth, sometimes tenth defenseman. And He's not terrible. He's he's fine. He scored a hat trick against the Leafs. So I mean, like he can score. He's having a great resurgence here. He's yeah. been declining steadily, but this year he's got like thirty eight points in like sixty games yeah, or something like really that. Good. He'd be a good seventh defenseman in case one of your guys goes down. You're not going. Wow, we got Marinson or Timmins in this lineup now. It's like Mar- Gustafson slots in well. Used to be guys like Marinson. Who else were, were the guys like? Oh my gosh, I can't even remember who he used to be. Well, Marinson was always their guy that they would rely on. There's like. Dahlstrom, I think, for he's still in the system, but now he's like our twelfth option. So mm-hmm. they've done a really good job stockpiling, and Mete maybe comes back yeah. eventually at some point. So he's another option. I think they've done a really good job getting depth on the blue line, and then they got more. Mm-hmm. This is another deal now. I think these two deals are really, really tightly linked. Pierre Engvall out the door for a third. Ten minutes later, a different third gets used to acquire Luke Shen. The he's back after many years the guy who was supposed to save our franchise back when they took him fifth overall is back now for fifth a cup overall run. they took him pretty wow. sure is that high wow. yeah let me double check i might be getting who's the riley but what are your thoughts on sort of that exchange while i looked that up first of all i love it for the vibes i love it for the character statistically a lot of people they had heat maps on twitter i would see i would see high danger chances he was giving up like statistically his metrics aren't great however for one of the first times in my life i will stray away from statistics and say with the eye test and with the character that this guy brings, mm-hmm. he's a great sixth defenseman. Leads the league in hits. We just talked about the Leafs need more character. We need more physicality. You need a guy to be able to throw in a hit, maybe make an offensive player on another team think twice in the corner. Luke Shen is the pro-typical finisher check guy. Mm-hmm. I showed you that TikTok of him labeling Nazem Kadri. Yeah. Guys like Lilligren, guys like Sandine, I mean, they're skilled, but they're not finishing checks. And w- finishing a-, a check every other once in a while will maybe make a guy like Nazem Kadri take an extra step in the corner, maybe cough up a puck. Those types of things are important. Mm-hmm. It's also just an overall aura to your team where you know like, wow, we're playing with some big boys now. This team's physical. We can match up against guys like Boston. There have been times in those Boston series where they mm-hmm. beat us time and time again where we would be saying, this Leaf team just doesn't look in it. It's 0-0, zero, zero, yeah. but we're getting like destroyed physically. Maybe Shen gets a few extra minutes there, lays a big hit, takes exactly. a penalty. And you, you talked about guys like Boston and teams like Tampa. If the Leafs want to win the Cup, they're going through both of them. They have to go through both of them. Yep. So, and, and we saw, and we're going to get to what those teams did, but those teams got 
they got tougher than they already were. So I think the Leafs probably felt like, okay, we have to match that a little bit. And not, we're not while not sacrificing skill entirely, we pro- that's probably an area they need to address. And I mean, they definitely made an effort to do that. For sure. Even on, on a second intangible note, like Shen's passion, what did you say? Pa- passion. 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 It was so cool to see. I don't know if it was Mark Masters. Mark Masters who, yeah. Was it the one who interviewed him? Yeah. He like was almost tearing up. He said he got chills putting the Leafs jersey back on. Yeah. Where, when he amazing. was drafted as a top 10 pick, he appreciated it. But then he said, I don't think he realized the magnitude of being drafted to an organization like this. And now when he comes back, it makes it all the more special. He's hungry yeah. to win a cup. He is a cup champion already, I think, with Tampa, Tampa, right? But he says he's very hungry to win one in Toronto. Yeah, I believe it. And that's what we like to see. And you talked about the character. Um, we Neither of us love to you know, use these these tropes about like oh character, character, toughness, grip. But there is truth to a lot of them. And I remember we talked about this when this quote came out. Um Farhan Lalji which covers the Canucks was like, I can't believe this Canucks team is gonna trade both Horvat and Shen in the same se- in the same season. Those are the only two guys in that locker room with like character that can be mm-hmm. leaders. So for 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 that sort of you know to get that sort of praise from a reporter, which you never really see that line be crossed with reporters. They try to stay objective a lot of the times. I think that speaks a lot. And I'm really happy that they're getting another guy who's mature, who's a good leader, who seems like a great dude in the locker room. And he can also play. So, I mean, complete package as far as that's concerned. 100%. This team just looks different. Going into a bunch of playoff rounds in the yeah. past, the Leafs look loaded with skill, but lacking in terms of grit and character. We look mean going into this playoffs. Like yeah. If we're down a goal or it's a tight series, we can win a game off physicality, score a tough goal, and then shut down. Mm-hmm. Having to go down on a McCabe-Shen pair in the third period, knowing you're going to get destroyed in the corner, yeah. it wears on wingers. And over a six, seven game series, maybe this is the difference between losing in seven to Tampa and finally winning yeah. one. Who knows? And we know what happens in game sevens with the Leafs. They shut down. So maybe these guys will kind of suck us out of that. 100%. And the only thing I want to say is I want to give Dubis the credit that I continuously give him on mm-hmm. this podcast. The biggest problem heading into this playoff push where once again, Leafs weren't strong enough. Leafs weren't tough enough. Mm-hmm. Leafs decor isn't mean enough. They're not experienced enough. The Leafs don't have cup experience. What does he do? He literally solves every one of these problems. McCabe, yeah. Shen solved the first two. The cup winning experience, the Selkie defense. That's Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Chari. Does he have a cup too? Did he win with the Blues? He might have won with the Blues. He was there when Boston was really good too. Like he, He's Regardless, won a cup or been to the cup final. Like yeah, Dubis did all of it. The team is completely filled with respect to all of their problems, and he did it giving up on aggregate a first-round pick. Yes, fine. The first-round pick they got back was a little bit lower, but at the end of the day, they didn't have to give up a crazy ton no. of high-draft pick prospects. Just a master class. Yeah. I think the Leafs were among some of the biggest winners at this deadline, and yeah, fine. You know, I got a bias with the Leafs jersey on. Mm-hmm. Objectively looking at it, I don't think a team got this much better without giving this much first-round picks. I give the Leafs a huge W at this deadline. They did a good job. My one reser- my one reservation, this comes a lot from being a Leafs fan and only from that, is is there, do you think there's a risk that he tinkered too much and that the team doesn't have enough time to gel? Or is that you, they got 20-plus games to figure it out? They're all good they're all good dudes good leaders they'll figure it out like is that which side of the fence you sit on yeah i'm hoping it's the second i'm leaning towards the second i will admit though against edmonton and calgary i told you like we look like a preseason team but Mm -hmm. granted there were six new guys in the lineup yeah it's a lot i think when you give these time guys time to gel like they're professionals 20 games has to be enough and worst comes to worst you just revert back to your old lines and throw the rest of the guys on the third line and see what happens yeah i mean you always have that option yeah especially with the defensemen because you have so many and that's such a big thing that he didn't give up roster players so worst comes to worst you revert <laughs> i know yeah and no, no no prospects either i think we'll see matthew nice too in the near future which is exciting
We're just going to take a brief minute to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. Okay, let's uh, let's move on from the lease and we'll move to the big bad Bruins who were incredibly active and I don't know they're they if they weren't already the clearly the best team in the league which they, they were. which they were they have elevated themselves to a whole nother level right now. Let's start with Dmitry Orlov and and Hathaway for Craig Smith twenty twenty three first twenty twenty four second and a twenty twenty five second. Um, they also give up a fifth to the Wild to retain an extra twenty five percent. But I mean, that's a pretty home like a home run deal, I think, in my opinion, for the Bruins. I agree. You know, this is just so pro typical Boston Bruin hockey. Like we said, the mean the meanest and grittiest team mm-hmm. in the NHL just got meaner and grittier. Hathaway is so hard to play against, and his advanced stats show that he is like quite honestly probably the best fourth line defensive winger in the NHL. Yeah, he's not just a scrub. He's actually good at what he does. Unbelievable. And you know what? Orlov was having a kind of mediocre season, was a great offensive defenseman back in the day, declining a bit. What happens? He put on the Boston Bruins jersey, and in three games, he goes two assists, two goals, one assist, one goal, two assists. There's just something about that Bruins jersey that turns you into an elite player. And he's not, he doesn't have to play in the first pair anymore, too. I'm sure that helps. Like, their top four is Lindholm, McAvoy, Orlov, and Carlo. Actually, might be one of the best top fours it's, in the league. It's got to be one of. And then Connor Clifton and Matt Grizzlick on your third pair, I think as a top six, I would be hard-pressed to find a better overall top six in the league. They're first place for a reason, but in saying that, it's an incredibly impressive top six. And wait, do they have to make up for bad goaltending? I don't remember. Who's who's the guy that's goaltending there? Is he going to win the Vesna? He's going to win the Vesna, and then, and his backup is uh, was almost nominated for the Calder last year, so wow. I think they're in safe hands. They look but good. Yeah. Boston Bruins look this good. This trade is incredible. And then if we're done with this trade, they got even more Boston Bruiny by going out and getting a guy with who's missing teeth in Bertuzzi. I forgot about Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi for another first and a twenty twenty five fourth. So they ended up giving they ended up giving up two firsts overall, a couple seconds and a fourth, um, in terms of both of these trades together. But again, like if if Hathaway was your like prototypical Bruin, Bertuzzi might be number two in that list because he is everything that you would think of in a Bruins player as well. 100%. If there was a Boston Bruins deadline checklist, I would have said get an offensive type defenseman because they're lacking there. Like past McAvoy, if McAvoy is going to have to take on the brunt of a shutdown first line mm-hmm. pair, he might not be as good offensively. I would have said go get yourself an offensive defenseman. Number two, just like the Leafs, they were missing one more left winger on the second line. And number three, Go get guys that contribute to like the grittiness and the and the style that your team plays. They, they did. They did that. it with all three. Tyler Bertuzzi is is Garnet Hathaway who can score. Mm-hmm. I remember. Didn't he have twenty or twenty five goals last year? Bertuzzi. He's been uh, he's been around that number for yeah, sure. He's yeah. really good. He's in the eighty fourth percentile of offensive metrics. A very very good play driver in like the upper eightieth percentiles mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. most play driving statistics. And he's going to play with quite possibly. We'll talk about soon. Quite possibly the best goal scorer in the NHL right now. He's up. I mean, 
if it's not McDavid, it's probably him. Yeah, Pasternak is going to play because I'm pretty sure that first line is settled with Marshawn, Patrice, and DeBrusque plays there now. Yeah. Wow, when you, this guy already was good enough playing with guys like Lucas Raymond, who I mean, you know, I know this not episode. Pasternak. I don't. I don't want this episode um, to be all about catching strays, but not no no disrespect to Raymond, but yeah, he's not David he's Pasternak. Not, he's not Pasternak, and I think when we when people talk about um, getting depth at the deadline, I think the best thing that you can do is get someone who's going to push your existing players down. And Bertuzzi just thoughts onto the into the um, onto the second line, and he, he potentially pushes someone. Well, he not potentially he does push Taylor Hall into their bottom six. For sure. I know he's hurt right now, but when he comes back, I'm assuming he's going to be back around playoff time. Taylor Hall on your third line, like playing playing against third pairing defensemen, he was having a pretty good season already. I think just it's him and Charlie Coyle are gonna terrorize teams now. Yeah, they got a Walmart Brad Marchand. That's what Tyler Bertuzzi is. Yeah, he's, he is he's a Walmart. Brad not even Marchand, a Walmart. Yeah. Maybe like a Holt Renfrew Brad Marchand. Yeah, he's like very like a a very good player. Just he's not Brad, but he's exactly like he you would expect him to be. It's um, it's kind of sad that the biggest I think the biggest winners at this trade deadline, objectively speaking, were the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins. Like they crazy. just got so much better. Yeah. If I was not a Leafs fan, I would put the house on Boston to win. That is not betting advice. No. Don't listen to me because my betting track record's really bad. Mm. However, the Boston Bruins look like they're tough to beat right now. Yeah. I I was already the idea of having to play them in the second round if we somehow got there made me like sick. I was like, Oh my god I, I so I really want to play Boston. I've said this a bunch of times, but I'm not confident that we'll beat them. I just really want to play them because I want the opportunity to slay that dragon. This team is is probably going to go down as the best regular season team in NHL history. They're the fastest in the entire league's history to reach 100 points. Like I think it was them 2022, 2023, and then a team from like the 1940s or 30s. Like It was like the drop-off. When there were six teams, you'd expect the team to be that dominant, but this is a team <laughs> being that dominant in a hard in a hard cap in 2023 like that's in, to me that's incredible to think about and they added like you said it's even more unfathomable to think about because considering how they came into the season where all their top players rather considering retirement yeah. were supposed to be hurt for half of the season mm-hmm. bergeron was almost not going to come back Maj- marshawn had bilateral hip adjustments yep. mcavoy was out for six months with up, what and he had a shoulder injury or something like regardless david pasternak had contract disputes they yeah. had just fired a coach who had been there for yeah. a very long time there were a bunch of problems with this team, and all of a sudden, we we projected them to almost miss the playoffs, yeah. and they turn out to be the best team in NHL history. It's looking back now, you could, I mean, of course they were, like obviously they were, but yeah, they they they, they we were not convinced, and I don't think anybody else was convinced either. They were like, oh, maybe they'll get to the wild card, and if they do, then they'll be a tough out. But no, they're just the best team ever, possibly. What's a poorer take? That one that we had, or saying Tage Thompson wasn't going to be good this year. I honestly, I honestly think both were valid. Me too. But I think looking back, I think looking back, maybe mm, they're both bad in retrospect. <laughs> but I feel like maybe this one was worse. Because like if you worse. doubt the Bruins, that's you know you you know you, that's gonna bite you in the butt. But I mean, I think my pride got in the way. It was the first time that I could you know yeah, sense some uh, volatility or yeah, something. Yeah, and it it bit me yeah. where the sun doesn't shine well if they play boston we will make sure not to jinx ourselves at any point throughout that playoff series and hope that the karma gods come through for us um it's gotta happen this year it has to happen well, this year before we can even play boston we have to beat the team who traded half a draft class for a uh well a, a guy who had a real really 
poor season compared to the standards he set in his rookie season. Tanner Janot, a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. And Cal Foote, who was a former <laughs> first-round pick, who's not like just a throw-in. He's a huge young defenseman. If this if this team trade sorry was made by any team other than the Tampa Bay Lightning, they would be lambasted. They already were in the media. But, but they're lucky they're Tampa and they have a track record with these kinds of trades because this one is a head scratcher, I think. They could have got Connor McDavid for a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. They could have got literally got Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. Or maybe Patrick Kane. Yeah. Or they could have maybe thrown in another first and maybe got Timo Meyer. There could have been a yeah. lot of guys like this trade package is almost as good as the Timo Meyer trade oh. package. And granted, mm. Brisbois and the Tampa Bay Lightnings love doing this. They did yeah. it with Bar I, I don't think he was there, but Barkley Gaudreau, yeah. they did it with they did it with Nick Paul. They Coleman. did it with uh, Coleman. They did it with Hagel. And they're doing yeah. it again with Tanner Janot. And you know, from a microstat perspective, but, it looked like last year was a fluke, and this year yeah. he's terrible. But let's not forget, he's an older rookie who scored 25 last year, gets in the gritty areas, very similar to Boston. Tampa is one of those rough-and-tough style really hockey gritty. players, and they utilize those third-line grinders. And somehow, some way, I'm going to call it right now, stitch this, Tanner Janot is going to score two goals on the Leafs in <laughs> Game 7, <laughs> and they're going to win. Just like Nick Paul did exactly, last year. Exactly. Yeah, it, you, it's, you know what's going to happen. Everyone's clowning him. He's going to go put up a point of game in the playoffs, probably fight five times, and maybe miss a lose a couple teeth in the process and everyone's going to be like wow we were stupid to doubt Tampa and we probably will be but in the moment right now it's a sh it's a shocking trade what i don't get is was there no negotiation tactics here on the part of Breezeball? like what if he went to them and said i'll give you a second and a third for Tanner Janor i'll give you a first and a fourth that had to have been enough do you think he literally yeah, went in there know. and said i'll give you a first second third fourth and fifth yeah. no <laughs> i don't know what david Boyle had to do to <laughs> twist Breezeball's arm i I have a feeling that as soon as Janot became available, teams were like chomping at the bit to have a chance at him. So I have a feeling it turned into a bit of a bidding war. But at that point, if you're Julian Breezeboy, can you not find a Tanner Janot replacement? Bertuzzi was Tyler better. Tyler Bertuzzi, who is better. And imagine Tyler Bertuzzi on that third line. Would have been That's better. a little more frightening than Tanner Janot on that, on that third line. But And Bertuzzi went for what, a first and a fourth? Or was a, I think it was a first and a fourth, and they got retention on that wow. deal. Wow. So... Just goes to show, but we can't we can't doubt this team because now their third line of um, Jano, Paul, and Colton is another line now. It's a terror to play against. Like regardless of the acquisition cost, coming up against that third line, if you're the Leafs, you're you're not happy about that at all. No, I I agree, and I Tampa was pressured to make a move at this yeah, deadline a because they're going all in again. Like these guys aren't getting any younger, but b they saw Boston and the Leafs and the Leafs get a lot better. Yeah. And granted, this does make them better. One of the things mm -hmm. you look for Absolutely. at a trade deadline is a team not making a trade for the sake of it, but one that fits their system and their needs. This one does both of them, just mm -hmm. at a, a terrible cost. But at the end of the day, yeah. this yeah. is a trade you look back on and go, if Tampa Bay makes another cup final, which none of us would be surprised to see, mm -hmm. Julian Breezeball looks like a genius. He does, yeah. He, and and even, even if they somehow lose in the first round to, to the Leafs, you maybe give him a pass on this one because it worked three times before and it's well it's your fourth time trying to if you're sorry you're trying to go back to the cup final for the fourth time if you don't make it well how can we really blame you right yeah. so this has opportunity this potential it has a, poten a potential for us to look stupid or it's just like man whatever that's so. why that's probably another reason why i did the deal this looks like a head scratcher but it's a very high reward low risk trade yeah. from a pr perspective yeah. considering their history he's built up a goodwill yeah um Let's stick in the Atlantic. I don't know if this team has it in them now to make a playoff push, but, I mean, they made a fantastic trade. The Ottawa Senators mm -hmm. go out, and they're like, 
you know what? We know the Arizona Coyotes are cheap as whatever you want to say <laughs> after that. Cheap as insert word. Cheap as insert any word you want. So they go and they get chicken for a first and two seconds, which is highway robbery in my opinion because the entire time I think the, the Coyotes were asking for some combination of two firsts or a first, like a roster player and a really good young player. And then the, the Senators come along and they're like, we know that your owner is cheap as blank. So we're going to say we don't need to, we don't need to re- you to retain and we're not going to send you a contract back. And Alex Marullo probably started to drool. And they said, make that trade immediately. And they did. And they got a great defenseman who's going to be great for them for a long time. It's just so sad that the entire NHL fan base was manipulated and gaslit into thinking <laughs> that the return for Chikorin was never big enough and that's why he was never getting traded. Yeah. Apparently, teams were offering two firsts, a second, throwing the kitchen sink yeah. at Arizona, and they kept saying, no, we want more, we want more picks. They didn't want that. They wanted no retention, and that that's is crazy. sad. It's sad. If you, For the first time in my life, I agree with John Scott. Is that his name, John Scott? John Scott, the big Where tough said, guy? Yeah, yeah, the Arizona Coyotes are a joke. He tweeted that. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, it is true. They're like they... I don't get it. They're not even going to hit the cap floor. So why well, not retain, hit the cap floor, and get an extra two first-round well, picks? They, they went and they traded for Vortex's contract, so they're my probably fine. And Shea Weber. They got gosh. both of them. The, 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 the fact that you were willing to take a lesser return on your best player so you didn't have to take money, is that's so short-sighted because you're sending your franchise back. If your franchise is better with the, uh, an extra first pick, you're going to make so much more money down the line. It's just, to me, that's so short-sighted. And... Bill Armstrong looks like a fool because his owner is cheap, really. I think that's what it comes down to. I, I agree. And it, I don't think this trade, A, first of all, completely came out of the blue. If you told yeah. me at the beginning of this year where Chikrin was going to get traded, n- in no way did I ever think he was going to be a senator. Even Chikrin came out and said that too. He's like, I had no ever expectation that I thought I was going to yeah. be an Ottawa senator. I thought he was going to be either an LA King or an Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> that's when they started sitting him. Yeah. They, they seemed like there was a trade with LA ready to go and then... Maybe they asked for a little bit too much retention, and they didn't like that. Just the perfect defenseman to trade for mm-hmm. in terms of term. Like, his AAV is low. He's got term on his contract. He's young. He can play both sides. He is a big boy. He's mean. He's tough. Last year, he had a down year, but his microsets this year are showing that Puts last year was a, like a champ now. Yeah, last year was a fluke. Like, if you look at his microstats, it's just a sea of blue. Mm-hmm. Zone entries, entry, zone exits, like shots off rush his ability to pass like his just expected goals and assists he is a great offensive and defensive defenseman when this guy becomes a ufa he's gonna make eight million or he's something gonna make like a that. lot of money for sure I, and i hope for ottawa's sake that they're in a position to pay him and you gave dubis a lot of credit rightfully so and i want to give pierre dorian some credit because this guy is going i think for me is the most underrated gm in the league because remember you know and he's unfortunately passed now but Eugene Melnick did not make his life easy when he was the owner. Mm-hmm. He had very similar sort of like spending habits and wanted to, you know, keep things really tight financially. And so Doran didn't have a lot of flexibility. This time he waits out a, an, another financially sort of constrained GM to get a really good price. He also ended up making a great trade for Carlson, got a great deal back for Stone. He's made a lot of good trades with the restrictions that he was put under. And now if Ryan Reynolds and his band of merry rich men are going to come and <laughs> provide him with some money... I would be on high alert if I was other teams because Pierre Dorian with some financial freedom, I think is going to make some great moves for this franchise down the road. 
if the Ottawa Senators were not in the Atlantic Division, I think they'd be an outside shot for a playoff spot next year. Yeah. Like, they're good. Their top six is very good. good. Our biggest problem with them is that defensively, they weren't good. They had Shabbat yeah. and no one else. And all of a sudden, now their I top mean, pair is pretty damn if good. They, if they play them together, that's a, that's a monster top pair. Their bottom six is pretty shocking. But like we see with the Leafs, eventually the guys you draft, you can get guys on cheap deals. Yeah. The, I'd rather have a good top six and about than a good bottom six, right? It's way so, easier to fill, and I think yeah. they're the rookie goalie just won rookie of the month or something like that. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know his name, but I'm almost. Is he one of the Swedish guys or something? I think so. Okay. I'm like a hundred percent confident that he won rookie yeah. of the month. So I mean, that's that's something to look forward to because the goaltending they were kind of mm, yeah. touch and go earlier in the season. I agree, and he adds to the core perfectly. Like he's the yeah. same age as Stutzlo. He's the he, around like Batherson and and Batherson Kachuk, Kachuk they're all the, the Brinkett, they're all around Shabbat, even uh, and now they have Jake Sanderson too. That, the, if they want to play them all in separate pairings, that left side of Shabbat, Chikrin, and Jake Sanderson is, I mean, it reminds me of a different level and different ages, but it kind of reminds me of um, when Tampa had Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. Like you can play bums on the right side if yeah. you have those guys carrying pairings. Like you're gonna be fine moving forward. So. Yeah. They did a great job. I love um, this deal. Was a fleece. Fits their team perfectly. Yeah. I can't Home believe they, I can't believe they got him for that. And if all it took was no retention, LA should be scratching their heads right now that they didn't offer to give up no retention because I'm pretty sure they had cap space. Yeah, I wonder what the holdup was there because I don't think it would have been assets. Yeah. Um, but done with the Atlantic in terms of adding, not, nothing else of significance really happened in the Atlantic. Um, so let's move over to the trade we all knew was going to happen. We're in the Metro. We're going to start with the Rangers. Kane to the Rangers, who was written in the stars since day one. He goes for a conditional second that can turn into a first if they make the conference finals, which is not unlikely, um, and a fourth. And they also send a a third to the Coyotes for extra retention. So a second, a third, and a fourth, pretty much, for Patrick Kane. I'm actually surprised the Blackhawks got a conditional first, got a, a pick that can turn into a first, considering they had no leverage. And, I mean, the Rangers knew that they had that leverage, so... They ended up getting him for still what is still a pretty cheap deal. But, I mean, this Rangers team is stacked now. I don't know how I feel about this trade. First of all, if you're right, if he didn't, if he was willing to waive his no trade cost to any team, he would have fetched a couple first. The fact that he had no leverage means yeah. the conditional first, I thought was, I didn't even think they had to give that up. But, you know, yeah, me too. Yeah, but I, I don't, I wonder if there's just too many mouths to feed in that top six. It's a lot of mouths to feed and a, not a lot of, Melds, I like to play defense. Yes, <laughs> I don't. That, that's that's <laughs> that not really come, an analogy, yeah, no. but I just made it out. It, it's it's true. There's just too many high volume shooters on the team. You're lucky that one of the big names in that top six is Artemi Panarin, who's the most pass first player in the NHL. Yeah. But Vladimir Tarasenko, Chris Kreider, and now Zibanejad Patrick Kane too. and Zabanajad, they just shout like I don't I don't even know. Like I'm trying to think gel or something because like, they all want to. They are, they don't. They're not compatible. Kind they of. They shout like the Brooklyn Nets to me, where mm. James Harden, Irving, and Kevin Durant all want the ball, and when one of them doesn't get it, one of them's gonna get mad, and it's gonna lead to internal problems. I could be very wrong. This team on paper is stacked as you can be. They However, I just so I just wonder from an intangible perspective, if they're so stacked, it's a detriment to them. Yeah, they're they're definitely leaning into that, the the identity they developed for themselves in terms of going all out offense. I wouldn't call their top nine the most well-rounded top nine in the league but i would maybe venture to call it the most offensively gifted top nine in the league um i mean philip had a bit of a coming out party last 
um, last playoffs, and now he's still he's on their third line. Lafreniere and Capocaco. We've talked with them before, but that's your third line. That's not like your typical shutdown third line. They don't have a shutdown line. It's like we're going to score on you line, all three of them. Yeah. So if if they can lean into the identity and, and outscore their problems in the playoffs, then they're going to be a danger. But if a team, and you know we know that those teams exist, Tampa exists, Boston exists, if they can neutralize your your high-power offense, they're going to burn you. Um, so I think it's going to be really fun to watch this team, but I, I do think maybe, maybe there could be some sh- some shortcomings to the roster construction that maybe they get bit in the butt. Yeah, let's also not forget, I'm pretty sure Patrick Kane had like 90 or 92 points last year. He's last still, year, oh, He's yeah. still a very good player. His microstats are terrible, but th- that's motivated by the fact that he's wanted out of Chicago since day one, and he's playing with AHL players right now. And he's, an in- and he's apparently injured. Yeah, Hip and injury. He's appa- yeah, so I mean... At the end of the day, a healthy Patrick Kane is still a lethal goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Fits very well on a New York Rangers team that he wanted to play for. Hot take. I still think the Devils win that first round. <sighs> that is spicy. I do. I really do. I really think the Devils take them in MSG in seven. I like wow. it. Wow. I, like I think it. that will that one will go the distance for sure. Yeah. Seemed, I think barring the Leaf series, that's the series I'm looking most forward to. If goaltending holds up in, in New Jersey... Mm-hmm. That team's tough to beat. They are. That team are tough. is so deep. Should we talk about them now? Yeah, we can. And as we move into the New Jersey Devils, they're just so deep. And not only that, there's just no one on that team, in my opinion, with a big enough ego at the moment yeah. that that team is going to self-combust. No, I don't think so. If the Rangers right. go down two nothing, you know, heads start clashing. Never know. There's some problems. But the New Jersey Devils just added to their core in a in arguably inarguably the most perfect way they could have mm-hmm. getting winger depth. We talked about this so much. They have one of the best young cores in the league. The only issue with that is that two of their best players um, that make up this young core are both down the middle. They desperately need winger depth. They tried to get Goudreau, didn't work. They ended up settling for Andre Palat. They're gonna have to sign Jesper Bratt next year, who might not come back. Mm. Who cares now? Because you got arguably the best lefter. I don't know, left or right winger. At the deadline, yeah. in Timo oh, Meyer, for sure he was. Yeah. He was the biggest, the biggest fish. Then they got him, they got him, and some. So they traded him and some other Leafs legends like Andreas Janssen and Scott Harrington <laughs> um, to the Sharks for um, nothing. Yeah, really, not not much. Yeah, they so they traded, they traded. Sorry, they traded Meyer and Leafs legend Scott Harrington for Andreas Janssen, and then prospects Fabian Zetterland. Nikita, oh man, this is a tough name to say. Okotuk, damn it. Um, and Shakir Mukamalut Mukamadulin. I think I got one that one right. Too. And then a seventh, a seventh, a first, and a second. So lots of pieces going the other way, but they somehow managed to not trade any of their top prospects in the process. And yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's some conditions in that trade that are. even favor New Jersey, right? Well, the conditions are if. New Jersey makes the conference finals this year or next year. Mm-hmm. That second turns into a first. Oh, so, big deal. So there's a world where they give up two firsts. But if you're making the conference finals, you don't really care. Yeah, but they also give up a first. And they're like basically seconds. Because if At you're in the conference point, final, it's a 25th overall pick, right? It's even lower. Top yeah, four. That's true. I mean, home run deal for the Devils. Mm-hmm. First of all, they already have an unreal core like we talked about. Yeah. Like I said, you always try to judge deals based off of going out to get what you need. They needed a winger. They not only got a winger, they got a star one yeah. who is RFA protected mm-hmm. and who is the same age as the guys that like, yeah, he's right in that window. built around. 
and they didn't have to give up. They didn't have to give up any other top prospects. No. I thought for sure Holtz was going to be in this deal. Yeah. Was on this deal. I cannot no. believe they didn't have to give up Luke Hughes. I no. knew for sure um, Nemich wasn't going to be in the deal. Yeah. But when I didn't see Holtz or Hughes in the deal, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. did they have to? Give or us? Mercer too is yeah. having a great season. I was like, did they have to give up Simon Nemich? And they didn't. I was like, who did they have to give up? Mohamed Doolin. I don't know how yeah, to pronounce his name. Yeah. Who you aptly pointed out, you didn't even know if he's going to come back. Yeah, because he's in uh, he's in Russia yeah. right now, so y- you never you know you never know. Um, yeah, I I think he, he was a twentieth overall pick either last year, maybe a year before. Um, so I mean, there's still promise there, but but you know, even if the Sharks really really like this prospect from a Devils perspective, he is fifth or sixth on your on your sort of pyramid of rosters. So you know, you're okay parting with that, even if he's objectively good, because you have five who are better than him already. Yeah, I thought if they weren't going to give up first-round picks, it would have to be, um, oh my gosh. Hughes, Nemec. Yeah, like very de- dependent yeah. on your young players. It was neither. I, yeah. I couldn't believe they gave up a large quantity of low quality. And like, once again, no no catching straights. But when you want to no, give no, up a guy like Timo Meyer, you're, you're there right. needs to be multiple first. Like the Tanner Janot return was better almost. Almost in terms of like assets, <laughs> you can make that argument. Timo Myers is a statistical gem. Like it's insane. Yeah, he's, a beast. He's, he's good at everything, and he's an insane play. He's not only an insane play driver. Like from the eye test, he is such a power forward, mm. big body. It's amazing. I wouldn't be surprised with if before the playoffs start, he's on an eight by nine or eight by nine in a bit. That's probably he's probably earn that kind of a pay, that payday now. Yeah, I'm um, I'm pretty sure the Devils are going to be a dynasty in 3 to 5 years. Like it not only do they have such a young core, we always talk about this, they have such a, a young core with a mix of older veteran players mm-hmm. still on very good deals who are ready to win. Like Dougie Hamilton is very silently putting up a Norris type year if it wasn't for Eric yes. Carlson. That he's worth every bit of that nine and is it nine, nine and, and a half? half? I think he worth gets worth every bit of that nine and a half. For, worth it for sure. When Nemich comes in, like they're just gonna be yeah. un unbelievable. I I can't believe it. He sure's cost controlled. If he was a free agent yeah. this year, he'd make probably close to what Stutzlow is making, eight and a bit. Yeah. If he he was just cost controlled for a while, he was a free yeah. agent, he'd be getting ten and a half. They're saying Nylander's gonna get ten and a half. Yeah, and. Yeah, and Hughes would be making double digits easy, and his contract kicked in, what, last year? Yeah, not a single player on this team who's overpaid. Man, you could say Andre Palat, but he hasn't given a chance to show himself yet. He's been hurt. Mm-hmm. This team looks tough they to look play poised. They look poised to be the next team in the, in the Atlantic that's that's running the show. Yeah, And, I mean, pick your... You have, you're basically picking between, like, the two best things in the world. If he plays on a, on, a, on Hughes' wing or on Hughes' wing, either way, like, those... That combo is going to be disgusting together. I, I would, I would love to see him with Hughes because I have a vested interest in Hughes' success because he's on my fantasy team, but also I think Hughes is a really, really dynamic playmaker. Maybe a little bit of a better playmaker than he's here. Mm-hmm. So I, if you just throw them on a line together, they will dismantle teams. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like he's going to play with Hesher just because like he's very quietly a very, very good defensive mm. winger, and if you play him with Hesher, that line also becomes they, a shutdown they're not line liabilities, now. Yeah, like upper 70th 80th percentiles for most defensive stats that you can have for a winger and when he's in the upper 90th for offensive stats 75th percentile is pretty good and he's young he still has time to develop let's remember a lot of these stats are also biased by the fact that his team was terrible yeah right he's putting up all of these offensive numbers and still defensive numbers as well playing on an ahl type team Mm -hmm. wait till this guy slots into one of the best teams in the league and it's gonna be fun to see yeah he's uh, i think he He's probably on pace. I think, actually, let me check. I have this in front of me. He's at 31 goals already. There's 20-ish games left. I know he's injured right now. So let's say he plays 15 of the next 20 games. Mm -hmm. Do you think he can, he's going to pass 40? 
For you sure. get past 40? For you sure. can get nine goals in like 15 games For on sure. that team? I think so too. For sure. And now that we're on the topic of the, the Devils and Sharks, very quickly, I don't think it's a very good start to his tenure for Mike Greer. Mike Greer for Mike Greer. You know, I think they were the clear losers at this deadline. Not only yeah. did they give up nothing for Timo Meyer, they aren't able to trade the Eric Carlson deal. Yeah. Were you surprised uh, that he didn't get moved? I was I actually at I don't. I wasn't surprised. I think I was hoping to see him get traded, mm-hmm. but we were talking about it. I, I just don't know if people are, if teams are willing to take on that contract, and I don't know if the San Jose Sharks were willing to retain on it to make it more palatable for those teams. Because, you know, he he's got what I think it's four more years after this one. Yeah. So if it's four more years, and the sh- the Sharks probably don't want to eat five and a half to six million dollars uh, of dead cap, even if they're not going to be good from an ownership perspective. I don't think they would have loved that. And then if they're not retaining 50%, then teams are probably like, I don't know if I want Eric Carlson at more than $6 million because I don't know what he's going to be after this season. Or you, you have maybe your concerns about his health, which I, th- I think are valid. Yeah, I, I agree. But wouldn't you rather retain 55 of dead space than 11.25 when you're trying to rebuild? Yeah. When you put it that way, it's like, it's almost dead cap regardless because you're not making the That's what I mean. layoffs anytime they, soon. They had a gift from the hockey gods here. One of the biggest problems that we've had with the San Jose Sharks is they need to they need to enter a rebuild, but they couldn't because the it's deals that they had were daggering. They were lucky enough to get rid of the Brent Burns deal. I don't know if they retained on it. It looked almost impossible for the Carlson deal to get moved. Yep. What it would have taken is for him to win a Norris. Do you know the odds of him winning a Norris before this year started? Plus 20 million. Yeah, you will. You're telling me he wins the Norris this year. The deal finally at least gets somewhat tradable. If you're Greer, obviously you try to get a first or a second. But if I'm him, I'm going, man, just take a fi- just take him. Take him for future considerations. Because mm. now the fact that he's becoming a Norris means the deal is tradable and you can enter a rebuild. The fact that he's still on, on his roster, I think, is a huge, huge mistake. So... Maybe they circle back because if he wins a Norris during the summer, people are still going to be have that recency bias. Maybe if the ca- if the cap goes up, teams get some more flexibility in the summer. Maybe they revisit a trade down the road. But if they don't, then they maybe Mike Greer will look back on this, or Sharks ownership rather might look back on this and think of it as a missed opportunity. Um, the next team that maybe missed an opportunity to make some more impactful trades. I don't even think we have to talk much about the trade themselves. I just want to talk a little bit about what the heck's going on in the Pittsburgh Penguins front office. They're a retirement home. It yeah. seems like Hextall's hiring all guys that were good in 20, 2005. Like, yeah. Who'd they get? Got Grandland for a second. Washed. He's washed. Like He's he's quite washed. I don't even know what other trades did they make. They, I, I they kinda, traded for... Was I it Kulikov? Was it Kulikov? They traded for Bonino. And Kulikov, right? Dimitri Kulikov, defenseman. Yes, yes you're right. For Brock guys. McGinn. Those are the three players. And they were very close to getting Besser today. Yeah, and Besser. It, and it didn't happen. And they kicked around on JT Miller, apparently, too. Apparently, yeah. But I did read a tweet. Apparently, Patrick Alvin's the guy there, right? In, yep. in, in Vancouver. Apparently, he said he was never given a legitimate offer for JT oh, Miller. Oh, really? So okay. it seems to be well, some conflicting I mean, information. Obviously, he's going to say that, right? That's, that's fair. I, If I'm Sidney Crosby, I'm pissed. This team <laughs> going into the from the offseason seemed like they were all in. You give a guy like Chris Letang, who's what, 35, a six by five. You give Malkin more money. Crosby had to step in to say, keep these guys. Yeah. You show a commitment to go all in. You give Ricard Raquel big money. And then your team starts hot. And now you're fighting for a playoff spot. And that's all Ron Hextel has to show for it. And and the, the, the crazy part to me, at least, is that 
they ended up increasing like they they, they took on over six million dollars of of cap, like they or. No, I guess they traded Teddy Bluger. Let's let's just say that they over the last week they increased their payroll by like three to four million. I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi got retained at fifty percent. He makes just over like four, I think. With those same assets, you could have one hundred percent gone out and got him. And I think I would take him over Nick Bonino and Granlin combined. Like he's more impactful. It's true. And also, the Metro isn't getting any easier. This is no. the year you had to go for it. Your players aren't getting any younger. And this was also the year that there were players at the deadline to go out and get. Yeah. Like a lot of yeah. wingers. They struggle with winger depth. After that first line, after Gensel and Raquel, Russ isn't very good this year. He's having yeah, a tough year. Down, yeah. The amount of wingers that were available on rental term deals were... Yeah, it, it's a big deal. I'm pretty sure I saw Dom Lashizden's model showed that everyone that they traded for, whether it was Bonino... Mm-hmm. Um, Granlin and Kulikov, they all had negative surplus value in like the like three to four million dollar range. Yeah, did they did they really get better this trade deadline? I mean, no. th- you can make an argument that they didn't really get much better. They got worse. Crazy. They got worse. They didn't even stagnate. They got worse. Michael Granlin is Marcus Granlin. Sorry, Michael, Michael Granlin. Right. Right. Is he's he's so washed, and they gave up a second for him. I think he's yeah. on pace for like thirteen goals this year. Yeah, he's pretty bad, and he d- and it, he doesn't play drive at all. I think he he's a good passer. In terms of what the stats suggest, but he doesn't drive play. And I mean, for, I don't know. I guess you can put him on the line with the guys who can shoot and score. But I would rather you trade for an actual guy who can actually drive play. Like I think a perfect. We talked about Bertuzzi, a perfect piece that they could have got on as got uh, is Niederreiter. And I, we're talking about the Jets making a really shrewd move and getting him. But he, he's a great play driver. He makes less money. He, I think he could have been had for a second as well. So that they got him for a second, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So if they if they were to just been a little bit more proactive in their approach, they they could have gotten a better better players. I think maybe they panicked and settled. Yeah, I I think Ron Hexall has to look himself in the mirror and go, I mm. am not good enough to find <laughs> players that have been declining and turn them into good players. Like we saw, they just made a huge mistake with Kasperi Kapanen. They finally put him on waivers. Yeah. That was a guy who was declining. They thought that they could bring him into the organization and make him a better player. Even beside Crosby wasn't good enough. You think you're going to turn Michael Granlin into the next Timo Meyer? Yeah. It's it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And you thought that if there was any deadline for them to go out and make statement moves, it was this one. Not only because their team's not getting any younger, but they looked pretty embarrassing putting Kasper Kapanen on waivers. Who he didn't clear, but either way, putting him on waivers looked bad enough. Yeah. And then you got went out and got two more Kasper Kapanen's at the deadline. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. You you made space by waving him to then not really move the needle with any of your moves, but just, I mean, if you're going to lose a guy for free or put a guy on waivers, you better be making improvements after that. And quite frankly, they didn't. I mean, it hurts because like Crosby is still a top 10 player in the NHL mm-hmm, and they are wasting the back half of his career. Yeah. He has three cups. A lot of people, I guess, have that as a bias to say, you know, he's had an illustrious career. He has, but the last four or five years have seemed to go down the drain because Pittsburgh just hasn't done it a good enough job continuing to, to utilize this gift. Like Malkin is still a good player. Latang is still a good player. Crosby is still a good player. This team should continuously be in a race for a cup. Last year, they got a bit unlucky with the Jacob Truba elbow. And yeah. stuff. But this year, they... They they left the playoff boat early. Like they have literally no chance. Who are they gonna play? They play one of Boston or Carolina. And they're out in five. Yeah, against both teams, I think they they get stomped as of right now. And I don't think they're gonna find themselves in a in a. They're definitely not finding themselves in anything but a wild card spot. So they're in for a, for a tough round one. So I think unless I missed any teams, that kind of rounds out the East. Um, now we can hop over to the West, and we're gonna start with the Oilers because. I think they're the for me 
the most exciting team in the West. Um, the first, let's talk about the big one. Matthias Ackholm for Barry, prospect Reed Schaefer, a first and a fourth. I mean, I really wanted him to get Carlson on last episode, and we posted a TikTok about it, and people were like, are you wild? And <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like, I wanted to see it for fun. But logically speaking, this was a perfect trade in terms of their need and sort of where they lacked on the back end. I liked all of your um, responses in the comments on those burners account where they're like, are you allergic to winning? And you're like, are you allergic to fun? I yeah, thought that like, was pretty funny. We just want to have fun. It would have been really cool seeing Carlson in Northern Jersey. However, from a pragmatic perspective, I begged them not to do it and they didn't. No. I begged them to get a good stay-at-home defenseman. Jacob Chikrin was the answer, but they got the next best option. They in got Matias a really Eckholm. good option. I thought Matias Ekholm was like 40 years old. The guy's only 32. Actually not that old. Yeah. He's, I think he's similar age to Ryan O'Reilly. I think mm-hmm. they just both look so rugged, like they're 40-year-old yeah, guys. He looks like a Viking. Yeah, but they, they were able to have 4, 4% retain. Such an so arbitrary weird. number to get to exactly 6 million yeah. AAV. Right? Oh, is that what it was? I think okay. that's what it was. He's making 6.25. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure this is Ekholm's first year of a contract extension. I think he's making a six by four. This might be the first year. I think they just, so he's got three more after this. Yeah, not I, even that bad. I might be incorrect. I have a tendency to do this, but I, I think I remember reading it on Twitter. Regardless, 6 million AAV when a cap is going up for a guy that has great defensive defensive stats, you take it, especially because there weren't that many options Mm-mm. at the deadline for this type of guy. And I'm sure the Oilers actually not. I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure the Oilers um, didn't want to retain any salary. And therefore chicken was probably not the answer. Matias Hecklum looks pretty good. It's it reminds me a lot of when the Leafs got Muzzin. Like they, there was a team that was just running gun offense at the time. The Leafs were they had they've changed their identity since then. But at that time, they were lacking a good, really good two way defenseman. And Matias Hecklum is that he's more on the defensive side of that two way, but he's no slouch offensively either. I mean, just in his first game with the against the Leafs, he made like a couple of incredible stretch passes that led to two on ones, odd man rushes. He can really move that puck. And I think the other really good thing to come out of this is that Evan Bouchard has a real partner now. Yeah. He doesn't have to play with Donald Nurse, who is not really good defensively. He doesn't have to play with, I don't know who he was playing with before, Brett Kulak. No, 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 no disrespect to Brett Kulak, but he maybe wasn't the stabilizing presence that they needed to play Bouchard higher up the lineup. And he wasn't going to be, like, he, he was otherwise unable to really play higher up in the lineup. And now they have a guy who's a perfect match for him. You can finally start utilizing Evan Bouchard's yeah. offensive abilities. This year, they wanted him to take a big step. He's regressed a little bit. But like you said, now that he's got a stalwart defensively yeah. behind them, you can finally utilize him. Matias Ekholm is no slouch offensively, like you said, in the upper 80th percentile for defensemen mm-hmm. in terms of offensive stats. Play driving, like you said, one of the most underappreciated things to Matias Ekholm's games. Like, leads defensemen almost in like zone entries and exits like we're saying that a lot about defensemen on this episode so i think the quality of defensemen up for grabs at this deadline were very Hi. very good not only that he's like in the 96 percent of a lot of defensive war stats he's he's exactly exactly what they needed and if this guy's gonna play 23 24 minutes a night you shut down a first line and let Connor mcdavid do his thing <laughs> You know, I kind of I was clowning you a bit saying that the mm. Oilers were frauds. Mm-hmm. Now that they get a guy like this, especially with the West being uh, yeah. kind of Mickey Mouse. I'm going to tease this, but I ha- I have a proposition for you later in the episode okay. about the Oilers and their playoff success. Sure. So keep keep an eye on that. I still think Colorado's better. However, however, Edmonton can give them a run for their money this okay. year. I agree. And then they weren't done there. They got... I mean, a little less sexy of a trip. They got Nick Bukestad. Oh, that um, happened just like 20 minutes ago. No, it, it happened. I think it was yesterday sometime. Oh. But it was 
in the the massive trades that happened over the past couple of days for a third i think they gave up from that's a, a great depth that as a third line center he was having a pretty um you know a pretty positive season in what's otherwise a not positive situation in arizona so i mean to get a guy who was thriving in that environment is never a bad thing and now he makes sure i don't think they were ever going to play nugent hopkins on the third line but now it makes sure that he doesn't have to because they have more depth sorry more like assurance up the middle with ryan mcleod and now um, nick bukestad playing uh, their bottom two center um so they, they improved their depth which was something again that probably people probably criticized about them i think they had a really solid deadline um and it's about time because Holland's had a lot of unsolved yeah, deadlines and off seasons. Really surprised that he kind of went all, went all out. Um, not, not, I'm not surprised because they didn't need it. I'm surprised because he's been hesitant in the past, and I'm glad for their sake that he actually kind of did it. Um, are they now the best team in the Pacific, or are your boys Vegas after not being pretty quiet? What do you think? After the injuries and losing Thompson, yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it to Edmonton because Vegas didn't have their typical Vegas Golden no. Knights off um deadline they just they got Barbashev who's you know decent pickup he's pretty versatile I think he plays all three positions but again like I said it's not the type of deadline move that we expect from them maybe they've finally run out of assets they finally run out of cap space or like ways that they can move things around to make a big splash or maybe they're just confident in their team I think they've had a pretty I think they're seven three and all in their last 10 like they're still a fantastic team um Tell me Barbashev, but really what I want to talk about is this Jonathan Quick situation because they ended up with him, but for a second, look like Jonathan Quick was going to rot in Columbus. Was that sort of, and before we get to LA, we're going to use as a bit of a segue into LA, but what was your first reaction when they kicked Quick out the door to, I mean, they're all, that their best, probably their best goal in franchise history, a franchise legend. Do you think it was disrespectful? Do you think it was just shrewd business decisions? What are you thinking? Before you even say that, he could maybe be their best player in organization history. I know Gretzky was there for a bit, but he didn't, do, an, bit. He didn't do anything with them, right? He didn't win yeah, a cup he was or there anything. for a short period of time. It, it, but Quick, Quick actually might be one of their best in players in history, franchise history. Sure. It, I think to answer your question, it gave me a stark and quick reminder that the NHL is a business. And that's all, that's all that it yeah. is. Because if Jonathan Quick, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, I think multiple-time Norris winner, carried them as an eighth seed towards he was there when they were up three nothing down three nothing against the sharks came back one four three and they ended up winning the cup that year put that team on his back if you're not going to allow him to you know have a little bit of a renaissance with a new look la team after he stuck around with the la kings being terrible for a very long yeah. time if he's not getting the, that respect nobody in the nhl is the nhl's yeah. a business i was i was shocked that they traded him just because of this sort of like the gravity that he has in that market how important he was but he's been bad for like three or four years like really really bad and i guess because of the contract they were sort of locked into him but yeah i was surprised i mean i i wonder if they had the opportunity to make the i wonder if the deal that they made um couldn't have been made otherwise if they didn't move that salary out but it, it was like holy smokes like they they really made a business decision all of those things that i just said would make you uh, like at least think that they're going to keep them they not only ship them out they ship them out to the it's worst like team in the nhl it was so bad like tweets came out from verified sources saying that he told his agent he will not play hmm. in columbus he never left la no why that, would you that forced a trade like i don't think they were going to trade him to vegas they had to because he said i'm not coming like yeah. i'm not flying there and I mean, for Columbus, who cares? They probably would rather have whatever third string goalie they want. Well, I mean, Merzlikens is still very, it's still fine. But 
they're probably like, oh, we can get the money off the books and get a seventh rounder. I and I wonder if Vegas did it just to be like, hey, division rivals, like we're getting your guy and we're going to like, you know, I wonder if that was a little, like a little bit of sportsmanship, not sportsmanship, gamesmanship, sorry, um, to just like rub it in or like to poke the, to sort of just like provoke them a little bit. I I, I feel like it, the fact that they're a division rivals not a coincidence in that series also, of events i also love it because it gives my knights something to be cheered about a little bit yeah. you know if you're kind of ambivalent towards this series um sorry if you're a little bit indifferent towards the series if it was a king's la matchup oh my gosh king's vegas matchup yeah. now you might be thinking ah i hope i hope quick and the knights stick it yeah there. and I, I, the neutrals are probably root for the knights too in that because of the pr battle the kings didn't win and you know what yeah, Quick is slowing down, but a motivated Jonathan Quick, who knows what that does. In the playoffs, and I mean, if Thompson doesn't come back, who know? Like, who who's their guy there? Is Aiden, it? Aiden Hill's behind Aiden them. Hill, it's right? gotta be. It's gotta be Jonathan Quick. Aiden Hill's man. I mean, they'll definitely. You'll probably get his fair shot to to, to have a run of games here. So, I mean, if he has, yeah, if he does sort of find some next level performance within himself, that would be a really cool story. Yeah, I think Vegas very quickly was also yeah. kind of low key like the losers of this trade deadline. They kind of forced their hand after continuously selling the farm that they're all in right now. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't go all in this deadline because they just couldn't. Do they? I think they've traded like four of their last five first round picks. I think every first round pick. Like I know Peyton Krebs is gone. Peyton Krebs. Alex, not Alex Tuck. They didn't draft Alex Tuck. No, they didn't. But they got Alex Tuck in the expansion draft. But Suzuki, Suzuki. Glass. Yes, Cody Glass. I think there's another, think there's another one. There's one it might more have too. been Peyton Krebs. I can't, I can't remember. I think it was Peyton, Peyton Krebs. To I think it was Peyton Krebs. For, for, uh, for Echo. Echo. I mean, yeah. good trade, but. Yeah, I don't know if they, they maybe they didn't have any any prospects to trade. We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabo Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabo Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabout Town today or find them on Instagram at manabouttown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. Can we move to LA? We kind of we talked about LA. We skipped over Vegas because it was kind of a non-factor for us in terms of like their deadline. But then in the process of giving away quick, they did that so they could get Corpusalo and Vladislav Gavrikov for a first and a third in addition to quick. I mean... Starting with Corpusalo, I think the Kings addressed their biggest need here with a goalie. He's having a bounce back season. He really, really struggled the past two. He has a 9.13 save percentage now, but previous two seasons was an 8.77 and an 8.94. That's barely NHL quality. Um, so I wonder if, you know, is this the blip or were those two seasons the blip? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, in terms of goal saved above expected, he's kind of in the middle of the pack just above middle of the pack and really with a 913 save percentage which is good in a garbage columbus team his goal saved expected isn't super high he's 14th in the league of the 40 goalies that played more than 25 games so i mean among the starters let's say like or the starters of the platoon goalies he's 40 he's, he's up definitely above the 50th percentile or he's better than the 50th percentile but that's good not great maybe that changes in a better system where he's getting maybe less a, a lower volume of high danger scoring chances against who knows how that's going to work but regardless it was a significant improvement over quick who was negative in that category and phoenix copley who was barely above zero so they definitely improved in net and i'd rather have corpus Hall than copley or quick even giving quick's track record so i think they improved in net and then they got gavrikov who's 
big, rugged, greasy defenseman. I mean, yeah, very, very right. We said it. You said it well. Like their biggest, we said that LA is a stud defenseman away and a stud goalie away from being an outside contender for the cup. They kind of half didn't get studs, it. but they got good players. Yeah, they half addressed it. Like Gavrikov is a big, mean defenseman. I think he's like six four or something like that. Big Russian he's like dude, two forties. He's a he's a big boy. I think they offered him a contract extension, but he told them he's in testing Columbus? free agency. No, in in oh, LA. In, oh, okay, but he in said LA. he's testing free agency. Yeah, I think one him. of the reasons why nobody traded for him is because it came out that he told every potential team he's testing free agency. Mm. Um, but yeah, who knows what this team can do? I I will say though, I don't even think it's a hot take. I think that LA missed out on a better defensive goalie trade that they could have went through, and that's honestly, you know, we'll, we'll go back to it one last time. I think Chikrin and Veljmanka would have been a better option. Would have been expensive. It would have been expensive. Would it have been if they just didn't retain? I mean, knowing what we know now, who knows? But I feel like if you're going to give a Melka too, who is a good cost-controlled goalie, who's better than Corpus Allo, I think it probably would have cost you more than a first and a third. But That's in saying that, though. how much more for more impact? Did yeah. you, you know, Chikrin is leaps and bounds better. He's yeah. cost-controlled. He's yeah, younger. The, the team's young as well. I think Veljmenka is Veljmenka. I don't know how to say his Bimelka. name. Vemelka. Vemelka is young as well. You let me go this long saying that? I mean, I, I've <laughs> been saying Vemelka. <laughs> Vemel- Vemelka. I think it's spelled Vemelka. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the J is in there. Phonetically, it was right. Regardless, I think they had an opportunity to go do it, even if you have to put, like, would you have put Byfield in that deal? Oof. Why not? Like, I why mean, not? He hasn't really become much. Yeah, the, still core, young. the core is good. You're you're also trading away a young player for a for a young cross control player. player as well. Dresses your needs. Like, I think there was a better opportunity there. Eh, yeah. I still think LA is good enough to make to win a playoff round. I don't think they're good enough to win a cup, especially because mm-hmm. there were some teams in the West that got considerably considerably yeah. better, and some teams in the West that are already still probably a top two team in the league. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but we'll see. I mean. I'm rooting for them. I, I think LA is a fun team to root for. They're yeah, running they are. gun. Very fun. Yeah, we'll see. The only issue is that they're probably not going to keep Gavrikov next year, so they got to do it now. They got to they gotta make a push now or find a way to address that hole again in the offseason. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, there are other teams in the Pacific who are trading for defensemen when they shouldn't be. Like they, These guys traded for defensemen when they should have. Mm-hmm. There were teams who traded for defensemen when they shouldn't have, and that's uh, the... Uh, Vancouver Canucks were the gift that keep on giving oh in terms of bad decisions. Goodness, They go out and they trade the first they got for Bo Horvat and a second for Philip Peronik and a fourth. I mean, I I Why? don't know. Yeah, I, I it's not that Philip Peronik is bad. He's actually quite good and he's having a good season. It's just what's going on with where does Vancouver think they're going? You couldn't have gotten him for a little less is my question. I mean... Maybe, yeah, you, maybe you could have, but St- when you're negotiating against Steve Eiserman, you never really, you usually don't win those trades. Um, but I just, I think they think, and we've been saying this, every other hockey podcast that you listen to probably says the same thing. They think they're better than they are. Yeah. Because if you think you can just flip a first to get a defenseman, you think that you're retooling on the fly when you really just need to rebuild. You need to blow it up and rebuild. And they think they're retooling and they're just probably setting themselves back even further than they already have. I think you said it well. Like the words to describe 
Vancouver Canucks is directionless. You yeah. either you either go all in or you blow it up. And this is another one of those like Bolivier trades where you're like, I have no clue. They're in yeah. this gray zone. They're not getting better. They're not getting worse. They're stuck in this purgatory. And I think Vancouver Canuck fans and NHL fans in general mm-hmm. are tired of being in purgatory. I would rather be a garbage team with a potential future outlook in five years than be a team in purgatory who's not good enough to win but also yeah. has no future. And I don't know what Patrick Alvin's doing. I don't know either. Yeah, you're right. They, they they sold and added at the same deadline, which is quite shocking, like confusing. I I don't know. Like it's it's really difficult to rebuild on the fly. Boston did a great job, but Boston also had three first round picks. Granted, those three first round picks amassed to just Jake DeBrusque when it could have had way more, but they kept those picks and tried to use them instead, you know, Canucks are going out and they're spending them on, you know, for the Peronik, who is having a good season now, but prior to this season, you know, didn't show that he was sensational. So I don't really know. I don't really know what to make of this. And if you wanted to add, I know we've said this for a lot. We said it just headed for the LA Kings, but if you were willing to give up a first and a second for Philip Peronik, we know you only need, we know you only needed to just trade one more second to get Chikrin. Yeah, that's very true. Like, that's true. Why wouldn't you have just tried to do that? And just not retain, not ask them to retain. You find a way, you know, wave four guys. Like, who cares? Commit to this retool. Yeah. And I don't know how much Ronick makes, and I don't know if there was retention on that deal. Let me have a quick look. But, I mean... I originally thought when that deal came through that it was a mistake. Like, I thought the NHL graphic designers made him. I couldn't <laughs> believe that, A, the Vancouver Canucks were buyers, yeah, and that, that B, that they gave up a first-round pick for Philip Ronick. Like, I couldn't help but think... They could have gotten him for less. I've never seen a team in NHL history be both a buyer and a seller at a deadline. And it comes even worse that it's a team that's in purgatory. Like you said, they almost, um, the Detroit Red Wings almost did it today where they almost made a very head-scratching move getting JVR. And I was like, I don't understand why they would do that. And then the deal fell through. I couldn't help but think it was a little bit of an over, you know, analysis. Like things got out that shouldn't have gotten out. Those types of things don't make sense. I don't know why Vancouver did this. I don't know. Yeah. And they didn't get any retention. Hronik makes 4.4. Chikrin makes just over 4. So the room clearly could have been made. They Hronik makes 4.4? Makes 4.4. I don't know how much longer 4. He might even be at UFA soon. He's in, So he's signed for one more season after this. And Chikrin signed for two more seasons. Oh my God, at the basically same, the same, the same player. So just throw in another second. If you're willing to throw your draft picks away now, clearly you are, just do it for a much better player who is, I think, the same age if not younger. He's actually younger because um, Hronik's in 97, Chikrin's in 99. It's really hard to be a Canucks fan these days. Yeah, it, it is. They're just the, they're the gift that keeps on giving for us, but they're just like, uh, I don't even know what the word to describe how they treat their own fans is, but not treat their own fans in like a bad way, but just the way that they make them suffer is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, now, Another team in Canada, which is like the last team in the East West, sorry, that made moves of consequence. Like I don't include Lars Eller going to Colorado to be much of anything. I don't really include Max Domi to the Stars to be much of anything. Like those are both good depth pieces. You can argue this is a depth piece, but I think Nino Niederreiter to the Jets really rounds out their top six. I mean, they have one of the better top sixes in the league, but now they've added a guy who's a really, really good play driver. He's probably going to end up with 25 goals he's going to be on a line with Dubois and Ehlers that's a pretty damn good line like I think the the Jets have done what they could to being as frugal as they usually are 
I think they're sort of a dark horse in the West. Not necessarily a dark horse because people know they're good, but maybe people don't think that they're going to be as good as they are because of the Jets, because they don't get that much media attention. I can really see them making some noise. And, I mean, it's a good player to go out and do it. But I can't help but feel bad for, you know, Niederreiter, who just signed a four-year contract in Nashville. You went from Nashville, which is like probably one of the more lively, warm markets. You went to Winnipeg. You're going to the most dead, cold market in the league. With no Wi-Fi. Yeah, we don't even have. They don't have. They do not even have an international airport. Do, that's sad. Do you think the Winnipeg Jets are a low key? Like, are they legit now? Because they right now they're in the second wild card spot at the time of recording. Are they? Yeah, and they have to either play there for Vegas or Dallas, right? Um, Shoot. Do you think they can beat any of those two teams? Um, and by the way, yeah, the, the Avalanche are can, a, a point away from being first in that division. Can. Can they make? Can they squeak into a division spot they, at all? They can. That central is extremely close. They're all separated by a couple points. So, the are the Avalanche in division spot again? No. Yes, in they the are. third one. Okay, so they're probably not going to pass them. They have to pass the Wild, and then they have to play the Avalanche. Yeah, that's so. I mean, there's no tough first round. There's no easy first round matchup for them. But maybe, and maybe we'll segue to maybe like our power rankings where they stand in each conference, like a top five or something. I have them in my top five in the West. Yeah, they're probably... The West I, isn't fantastic. I haven't made one, but they're probably scraping five. Okay. I would go undoubtedly number one is Colorado. Mm-hmm. Number two is... Ooh, okay, we'll put Edmonton there. Number three, we'll go... This is off the top of my head, so if I miss a team, I'm sorry. Number three, we'll go Vegas. Number four, I'll go LA. Mm. And then number four, see, it's that Dallas or mistake. Winnipeg. That might be my mistake. I, but I don't have LA in mind. You I gotta think, have I think that's an oversight. After these trades, you have to. It's either L, it's either at five, and this is tough because the Stars are leading the Central. It's either good. it's either the Stars or it's the Jets, and they both have great goaltending. Um, the the yeah, Stars are a little bit flashier offensively. They're just as good defensively. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the Stars the in stars? there. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about the Kings in my ranking. Like originally, I had the Avs, the Oilers, the Knights, the Stars, and then the Jets. I still think the Stars are at four for me. Oh, okay. I think they're I think they're really good. I think the Jets are also really good, though. Man, and I guess maybe they get bumped down to six in, in some way, so maybe they're not as poised for a cup run as I thought because only they're they're like in the bottom three in, in that in that way, but. But these hmm. three to six teams are all so interchangeable. Like yeah. it's not it's not like the East where there's just some clear juggernauts. Um, it could happen. Anything can happen in the seven round right. playoff series. So so now that we did our little West breakdown really briefly, mm-hmm. I want to present to you my wager. You're understandably high, or I'm I may be confusingly high on the Oilers, mm-hmm. and you think that the Avalanche are going to come out of the West. Yes. So. Can we make a little wager? If the whoever, so let's say you 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 are the 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 Avalanche. I'm the Oilers. If they meet in the playoffs, or we can even go whoever makes it farther. If they don't meet, okay. Whoever wins gets to pick what the other person has to wear for that episode. Like, and it can be anything. Uh, and I get to take Colorado. Yeah, I'll give you Colorado. Okay, hundred percent. This is the easiest money I've ever made. So if so if Colorado goes further than the than the Oilers, I wear within reason whatever <laughs> you want me to wear on the on that episode after they get eliminated. Easy. But if if the Oilers beat Colorado in the in the Western Conference Finals, I get to pick what you wear. You are aware they got destroyed in the Conference Finals last year. I know, but they they got better and 
Connor McDavid is Jesus Christ, and he's going to do something crazy, even crazier than he was last season. It's not possible. Last year was the most historic. I know, single but they're handed. better. But they're better now. I don't care. I don't care. You have. You're gonna disrespect the Cup champions. I'm not disrespecting Cup champions. I'm. I'm professing my sort of commitment to the Church of Connor McDavid. Yeah, let's do it. I'll take that deal any day of the week. Okay, deal. We will stitch. We we will like stitch this clip somehow, and then cut to one of us wearing something outlandish when it happens. But that's a deal that we have. I'm on the Oilers. You're on the Avs. I'm just. I'm not wearing a Habs jersey on this pod. That's the only thing I'm not. No, doing. I'm gonna go to Valley Village and find something ridiculous for you to wear. <laughs> okay, deal. Fine, deal. Okay, love it. Let's go to the East Power Rankings. East Power Rankings. These ones, I mean, they're they're, they're stacked. But for me, it was kind of easy for me to make them. Um, for me. I've got Boston at one. Me too. How can you not? Then I still have a l- some faith in the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, wow. They're at two? Okay. Yeah. And I, I put the Leafs not at three. I put them at four because I was I don't want to overrate them. Okay. So I have I have the Rangers at three, Leafs at four, and then I've got Tampa at five. And the only reason Tampa's Tough. at five is that it's just, can you do this for a fourth straight year? Like yes. at one point, just fatigue factor in i'm hoping it's this year for the leafs purposes but i've got boston carolina rangers leafs tampa as my top five right now i'll take boston in one okay i'll take tampa at two because the back to back to back stanley cup finalists back-to-back cup champs they've followed a very similar trajectory as they have in the last two years you're you're right the best predictor of the future is past performance Mm -hmm. and you know what we've talked about this a bunch of times can they do it again? I mean, Kucherov's done it one and a half times. He's been like he's been out half of the year for three years in a row now. You got it. You got to take them. I'm just not taking anyone against Andre Vasilevsky in a playoff series. I'll take Tampa to number three. Give me the homeboys. Give me Toronto Maple Leafs. That's crazy. All Atlantic teams. Yeah, that's just how stacked that division is. Best division in sports, I think, right now. Past the AL East, top, honestly. Top end, yeah, yeah, easily. Number four, I'll take the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina okay. Hurricanes are a little lower for me just because they don't have a star. Like One of the things I yeah. look for is that you need a guy to take a game over at times. And Aho and Shveshnikov are just not those guys. Yeah, Pacioretty going out is pretty... They, and they didn't really make an, a, a trade to address that weakness either. Like They didn't fill that gap, I don't think. They got Pujarvi. They mean, got Pujarvi, who's a, who, who's a gamble. Mm-hmm. He could succeed, but he's a gamble. And do you know who my number five spot is? Take a guess. I kind of gave it away a little bit oh, in this the episode. Devils. New Jersey Devils. Yeah, they're, they're good. New they, Jersey Devils. I'm not having them on mine is tough, but... Yeah. You got I'm, the New York Rangers are on the outside looking in. For you me. have them, yeah. And then after that, the five. rest doesn't matter. Yeah, just because I don't know. I don't think the recipe for success is yeah. is sustainable, considering the fact that the Eastern Division is just the conference is just so ridiculous. Yeah, you're not a fan of the roster construction. I, not relative to what I'm seeing in the yeah. in the Atlantic. Yeah, and for all the people clowning me that you know the New York Rangers are below the Leafs, how they made the Interconference Finals, the Leafs haven't won a playoff round. Like, yeah, valid. But the way the rosters are constructed, I, I don't know. I like the Leafs' chances this year. It has to happen. It has well, to happen. They got, they're got they playing your f- second team in your power rankings, and then if they win, they got to play the first team in your power rankings. So they're not going to have an easy ride. We talked about this off-air. If the Toronto Maple Leafs, after tragically going out in the first round five years in a row, win a Stanley Cup this year playing Boston, sorry, Tampa, Boston and then like Carolina slash New York and then Colorado. Would that be the most historic cup victory in NHL history? Or we'll call it in the modern era. It would be potentially without knowing all the other routes to the cup in the past off the top of my head. It just, it sounds like one of the toughest, if not 
the toughest in like the past, I don't know, 10 years or so ride to the cup in terms of teams you have to beat. You got to beat this back to back to back Stanley Cup finalists. You got to beat the Bruins who are the best team in NHL history regular season wise. And then you got you got to beat New Jersey, who is unbelievable or or the Rangers. And then you got to beat the probably the reigning cup champs in the Avalanche. So, I mean, it doesn't get much harder. I'm pretty sure that the division leaders in the Central and the and the, the Pacific would currently be a borderline or like fringe wildcard spot in the East. I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet about that. In terms of points, yeah. points percentage and stuff? Yeah. yeah, I believe it. Yeah, the East is just stacked. And the West is... The, the bad teams in the West are worse than the bad teams in the East. And the best teams in the West are worse than the best teams in the East. It's, it's just not a good division. It's crazy. It's when conference. Before the trade deadline happened, the East was already so much better than the West. And then after the trade deadline has happened... From the east, sorry, from the west to the east, we saw trades uh, occur such as mm. Timo Meyer, mm-hmm. Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Patrick Kane, Jake McCabe, um, Tanner Janot, wow, Lafferty, yeah. and Achari. Those are the guys that went from the west to the east. The guys that went from the east to the west, Dadanov, Zetterlund, Blaise, Sammy Blaise, Kratsov, Nikita Zaitsev, and Calfoot. It got even worse. <laughs> They did give. They took on bad contracts and reclamation projects, which is every every star in the West looks like they've migrated east. Yeah, and because the teams in the east are there's an arms race. They're like it's like they're racing to be on top of the moon, like back in the day. Like it's it's crazy. They're like, yeah, you're gonna make a big trade. I'm gonna make a big trade. Boom, 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 and they're just exchanging, and it's it's fun. I mean, I don't know if it's because we were too young, but I remember when we were 13, 14, that the West was incredibly oh, better they were, than they the east. were. But was it this bad? Like this bad. Man. I remember San Jose well, was unreal. LA was unreal. Yeah. The Ducks were Anaheim unreal. Anaheim was unreal. Chicago, Chicago was gross. Was, yeah. Oh, well, you said bad? LA. There was this another bad. team. St. Louis was always really good. Yeah. But I think the um, the, the saving grace for the East was that Ovi and, Pitt, Ovi and Crosby were always in the East. So they had the two best players in the game always on the, in that conference. So mm-hmm. there was still really, you know, and they had Boston. Like, it's almost like that in the West right now, though, too. Yeah, because they got you got McDavid and McCarr in the West. Really, yeah, a couple of really, really good players carrying that carrying that conference, but the best teams were in the West, and now it's shifted. Wow. Let's um, get to some contract extensions. We didn't get into those. First is Pasta and eleven years. Sorry, oh my God, eleven years. Eight years, eleven point two five million. Great deal for him and for the Bruins. I saw I saw an article, a headline saying. I guess the taking less culture in Boston is done. It's like, well, eleven point two five is a lot, but he did take less. That's that's a discount still if we're being real. Yeah, let's not get let's not get it twisted. When this cap goes up, and we you know we've been saying it forever, it seems like a folklore now, but the cap will go up. Mm-hmm. And when the cap goes up, eleven point two five isn't gonna look that bad. William Nylander next year is signing for ten and a half. If Jack Hughes was um was a free agent this year, he'd be signing for ten and a half. David Pasternak is leaps and bounds a top five goal scorer in the NHL. And mm-hmm. for you to lock him up on max term at a lower AAV than Artemi Panarin, who signed four yeah, years ago, that's right. I would consider that as him taking a slight hometown discount. Is it the normal Pasternak hometown discount? No. Is it the Brad Marchand one? No. Let's not forget, like, Patrice Bergeron has made a lot of money already. He can afford to take it. Yeah. David Pasternak had to recoup previous losses because he signed that terrible deal for himself five years ago. But at the time, like, that deal and the Marchand deal weren't, like, let's, I can make 10, but I'm going to take six. It's 
Marchand had him broken out to the Marchand he is True. now. And Pasternak was like like Willie, a good young player, but we didn't maybe know he had this in him to become literally one of the best players in the league. Like those those deals were fine at the time. It's not like they were they were I love Boston, I love the Bruins so much, I'm gonna, you know, not I'm gonna shave four million off my AAV. Like that's revisionist history. Those deals were what they were at the time. Mm-hmm. I agree. And all those comments about like Brad Marchand saying, Yeah, you know, the Leafs aren't taking less <laughs> He knows I think, what he's doing. I think he's just a little jealous at the fact that he didn't break up before a contract year. Yeah, he he was like a 60-point player at best when he signed that eight-year deal. They were taking a bit of a gamble on him at the time, 100%. and it paid off. But don't pretend like, oh, I'm so much better than... Like, don't, you know... David Pasternak's a top-five player in the NHL this year. He's fourth in the NHL uh-huh. in the last five years in goal scoring. It's the hardest thing to do in the NHL. It's the thing you pay a premium for for the most. Only Leon, Austin, Ovechkin, and McDavid are above him, and he's did it in 20 less games, and... Um, the Edmonton boys in the same number of games as Austin. He is as good as a goal scorer as it gets. Play driving stats off the charts. Like, again, goals per 60 in the 101st percentile, mm-hmm. that's even possible. Unbelievable at everything. Sure, he's not great defensively, but he's also not terrible defensively. No, and, you, and you know what? Just stick him beside an okay yeah, when center. You play the, when you play in that system, you're fine. A hundred, 100%. And the fact that he is getting paid less than Panarin for me shows that this that's is true. not an overpay. I didn't even think about that. It's it, this is this is a great deal for both sides. It's one of the few contract signings that we've seen that I just think is fair value, and I think it helps the organization a little bit more than it helps the player. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about it, you you I think had said I wouldn't be surprised if he's the highest paid player in the league just because he's yeah. that good, yeah. and I was like I wouldn't be surprised either. But you know, I was like maybe around twelve. Well, they they got it for just over eleven. Yeah. Man, that's that's a really good deal. A lot of people on TikTok and Instagram were projecting twelve and a half. Yeah. 11.25 is, I mean, that's that's $8 million over the term of his contract. It's yeah. a lot of money it's to give up. a lot of money to give up, 100%. Um, the other big contract that was signed in the Atlantic was Dylan Larkin. I think it's eight years, $8.7 million, I think it's something like that. Head scratcher. Really? You like it? Well, m- maybe timelines aren't the best, but I think purely value-wise, that's a good. that's a great deal, I think, because... He, I think he's objectively a number one center. He might not be a top 10 center, but he's one of the top 32 centers in the league. So yeah. he's a top line center by virtue of that. Um, to get a top line center for under 9 million for the next eight years, he's only 26 now. So it's only it's going to expire when he's 34. Like He's not going to be super old. Um, I think that's a good deal. I think he's probably a top 20, top 15 center in the league. To get him for less than 9 million, I think is a, you know, I don't think you can go... I don't think you can you can do way worse, and I think that's a good deal to me, to be honest. I just don't think it works. What you're saying is true. Just I think trajectory is a big thing here, which is a head scratcher for me. I don't think it works for the team or for the player. Like when you're from the perspective of a player like Dylan Larkin, who's been on a bad team for a very long time, don't you want to win? Maybe he has faith in the plan, and he's like, "Well, I'm 26 now. Maybe by the time I'm 28, we'll be we'll, we'll be in like a bit of a, a better window in terms of competitiveness." But who's in that system right now that can contribute to a winning culture within the next two years in the best division in the NHL? Like, even yeah. if Cider and Raymond turn out to be great, it's not enough to be Boston, Tampa, and and oh my gosh, and the Leafs. Like, it's it's yeah. not it's not enough. And then from from the side of the Boston, oh my gosh, sorry, Red Wings. I think I got confused with Red Sox. I think that's what it was. With the Red Wings, like we said, their team is not in a position to win right now. Why don't you go out and sell them for a couple first-round picks, draft a couple guys that are a few years younger than Sider and Raymond. Once all these guys develop, you have like a a New Jersey Devils-type five- to six-year window to just win a cup. Best-case scenario, this team is good enough to win in four years. By that time, Dylan Larkin is 30. You start to think, is he slowing down? Is he past his prime? 
it's going to be tougher to go out and get a rental player because you have a daggering contract at nine million well, in four years though i guess like with the cap you, going up yeah you i think the the good thing it being under nine is that you have the option to either upgrade or to get another eight million dollar nine million dollar second line center like you can now either go out if you can somehow get a free agent or whatever you make a trade what however they acquire this 12 million dollar first line center then you have dylan larkin as your second line center or if you want to go out and get let's someone like someone like a cadre who's a very very good second line center who could get seven to eight to nine million dollars as a ufa then you're then you're still stacked at the middle i think that gives them some flexibility maybe timeline wise i think that's a fair criticism but value-wise, I think it's okay. I think it's a good deal. That's fair. I just don't know what future he saw in this team. Like, I feel so bad for him. He's been on a bad team for so long. He's from Detroit. He signs the deal. Two days later, his best friend on the team yeah, gets he was, traded. He, he, almost on the, well, he, was, he was on the verge of tears in the press conference. Yeah, yeah Cider and Raymond have had kind of a sophomore slump. Raymond mm-hmm. has not gotten better. Cider has gotten a little bit better. Yeah. But... I, I don't know. Like the future is kind of bleak in Detroit, in my opinion. A lot of people have been questioning the Yeiser plan, deservedly so, because there's no real like star that is coming out from yeah. that organization. Maybe he just doesn't care about winning that much. I I don't know. I, that's a tough. That's I like don't want to say it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know because I'm trying to think of like similar situations where we, where we've seen that happen, but. Maybe like if he was in the Pacific, you'd go ah, relative. We're good enough to make a run, but they're in the hardest division in sports, in my opinion, on a bad team. That honestly, their draft picks aren't doing as well as people thought. He's been there for a long time. It just reminds like it's vaguely familiar, familiar of a Jack Eichel kind of thing, where you know mm. he's given them a chance. He's signed a contract extension there. It hasn't worked. They're not drafting well. They've been bad for a long time. And instead of wanting out, he signs back. It, it confused me a bit. I don't know what he saw. I'm surprised he wouldn't uh, like wait to test the open market. Yeah. Because you always have the option to hear, what can I get? What teams are interested? And then always fall back. So I, I'm surprised he signed it when he signed it. Maybe it is just the being home. Maybe he knows something that we don't from the inside that could be, you know, maybe the, their window would be, you know, they'd be a bit like they'd have a better chance sooner than we think could be a number of things but mm-hmm. he's sticking around he's our captain so from a value perspective he, i think he's better than horvat and barzell he's making a bit more than horvat i think he's making less than barzell mm-hmm. the aav is good yeah is where you want it yeah it just it the trajectory of the teams don't make sense to me but who knows hopefully yeah. hopefully i'm wrong actually hopefully i'm not wrong because you don't need another team in the atlantic that's yeah, good I but know. for dylan larkin's sake i mean hopefully hopefully i'm wrong yeah let's uh wrap up this show somehow managed to get through all the trade deadline talk in an hour and a half. I think it's pretty efficient. Yeah. The last little story talk about kind of out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Barry Trotz is going to be the GM. Did not see that coming. In, in July, once you know David Poyle's contract expires, it's like, okay, here you go. Um, he was the coach. They was like, I think they've only had three coaches in franchise history and he was the first and he was there for 20 years something like i forgot something he coached the preds like wow yeah he was there the whole time he had quite a bit of success with them as well um and then apparently this year was offered to get paid a lot of money to go coach in winnipeg he said no and now he's going to be in the front office so i mean definitely an interesting career change in that regard but were you as shocked as i was very shocked i, I just he said he was going to take some time away from hockey and then yeah. come back and coach and then he becomes a gm but what a way i can't remember what was the other gm's name you just said david Poyle. what a way for him to go out eh? yeah, i know making some really good trades at the deadline he traded Janot, who 
Plessis. Janot, he traded Nieder, Ekholm. Ekholm, Niederreiter. Grandland. For Grandland as well for incredible value. Yeah. This team is in a great, great opportunity to retool and rebuild. And you know what? They can build around Forsberg. Granted, he's not a star, but I think he's a good enough player to rebuild he's around. He's very, and very good. Barry Trotz is a great hockey mind. So Yeah, I mean, like he's, Poyle's putting him in a great position to succeed. In the next... So next year, they have 10 picks in the first four rounds. Wow. They have three seconds in the next draft after that, and then potentially two firsts in the 2025 draft, depending on, I think there's a condition on that Genotri that can kick the can down the road. But they have a lot of picks. Very Trotz is going to be able to kind of make his mark on this team. And we'll see what we can do as a, as a new as a new GM. It's a, it's a lot of pressure, but it could be an exciting opportunity as well in terms of like being able to really make this franchise what he thinks it can be. I'm excited. The Central's at a bit of a low point right now. Yeah, it's a good opportunity to know. revamp some things. Well, if I miss anything, unless I miss anything, sorry. I think we're kind of done. That's a lot of talking. I'm excited to. Good time to film. Kind of be done. Trick yeah, deadline we, just ended ended today. We're going to have this episode yeah, out we're on tomorrow, Friday. hopefully. And yeah, we'll see. Okay, very quick. Leafs getting past the first round, yes or no? Mm, Five. I don't want to say yes Four. because I don't want to jinx them, but I do Three. think this is the best chance they've had. That's not answering the question. That's yes. A, no, no, I think so too. I think this is it. I think this is it. And then we're going to come back. We're going to get stitched. They're going to lose in seven. Janelle's going to score a hat trick in the final. And that's the way that it's going to be. But It's a circle of life. I talked about this on TikTok very quickly. I promised myself. I remember last year when they had lost in seven. I came on this pod. I was so pissed in the summer. I said, I am never, never going all in on the Leafs again. And I'm back. Welcome I, home. I'm back. <laughs> Poppy's home. I genuinely, I'm all in again. This is the year. This is the best Leaf team we've ever seen. I think this is the year they do it. You mark my words. The Leafs win a playoff series. The Leafs go to the cup final. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. With that, we need to get out of our delirium that we're in as Leafs fans. So we need to... Uh, wrap up before we piss everybody off um but yeah leave still in the cup we'll see you in a couple weeks see you next week thank you for tuning in this has been the upon further review podcast we'll see you all next week